0: This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 183, with Daniel DiMartino
1: Booth. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher.
0: Hello, Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobs here, and welcome to another episode of The Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you. In this episode, I will have a conversation with former Fed insider Danielle DeMartino Booth on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. Danielle is a global thought leader on monetary policy and economics. She's the author of Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. The book, which rose to number 22 on the Amazon bestsellers list, is currently in its fifth production run. Danielle DiMartino Booth founded Money Strong LLC in 2015. Through her economic consultancy, she has published a weekly newsletter for 132 weeks consecutively. Aside from her vast direct distribution network, more than 100,000 readers enjoy her newsletter on a weekly basis via LinkedIn, Seeking Alpha, NASDAQ, Talk Markets, and dozen other websites. Danielle is also a full time columnist for Bloomberg View, a business speaker, and a commentator frequently featured on CNBC, Bloomberg, Bloomberg Radio, Fox News, Fox Business News, and other major media outlets. Danielle also recently accepted a position as senior economic advisor for Commerce Street Capital. Prior to Money Strong, Danielle DeMartino Booth spent nine years at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, where she served as an advisor to President Richard W. Fisher until his retirement in March 2015. She continues to research, write, and speak on the financial markets, focusing recently on the ramifications of credit issuance and how it has driven global fixed income Equity and real estate market valuations. Sounding an early warning about the housing bubble in the 2000s, Danielle has earned a reputation for making bold predictions based on meticulous research and her unique perspective honed from years of experience in central banking and on Wall Street. Danielle began her career in New York at Credit Suisse and Donaldson, Lofkin and generate where she worked in fixed income, public equity, and private equity markets. Danielle earned her BBA as a College of Business scholar at the University of Texas at San Antonio. She holds an MBA in finance and international business from the University of Texas at Austin and an MS in journalism from Columbia University. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to 442. To ensure that you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page where previous guests connect with listeners and you get to access a community of people that are on the same journey as you are, where you can network, share information and ideas, and possibly find a partner for your next business and deal. When you do become a patron, I will also send you a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at cashflowninja.com forward slash support. My friend Dave Zook says, You can be conventional or you can be wealthy, but you need to pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his company create value for investors looking for higher yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities The Real Asset Investor offers, such as the syndication opportunity at Mahogany Bay Village in Belize or investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the US, visit CashflowNinja.com forward slash real asset investor. Gelt Inc. is a multifamily syndicator which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Gelt provides its investors with significant cash on cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. You can reach out to Joss Satin at joss at geltinc.com to learn more. Have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit Properties at joinopsproperties.com. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches, you have to watch the private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Danielle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank
2: you so much for having me.
0: Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners?
2: I'd love to. And it really is a a journey. Uh, After beginning on Wall Street in 1996, which was kind of the irrational exuberance moment when Alan Greenspan uh, made his famous speech, uh, I I rode the Internet Revolution, I suppose you could say, but I was very wary of it, unfamiliar at the time with how intrusive Alan Greenspan intended for the United States Federal Reserve to become. Uh, I actually attended night school and got my second master's in journalism while I was working on on Wall Street. Uh, My first is uh, an MBA in finance. And uh, after 9-11, my life took a change. It took a turn. I ended up down in in Dallas, Texas, of all places. I signed a non-compete and agreed to leave the industry for a little while. So I ended up writing about uh, the markets, writing about the housing crisis to come, and that put me on the radar screen of of individuals like Warren Buffett, and I got to travel out to Omaha. That was a great honor. And eventually, it also put me on the radar screen of one Richard Fisher, and I ended up through various conversations with him and the Dallas Federal Reserve coming to uh, be an advisor there for the near part of a decade. Uh, after that, I wrote a book called Set Up, which explains basically my premise on what I learned working inside the Federal Reserve, more so I should say what does not work inside the Federal Reserve, and that's been about two years now. I write a weekly newsletter, and that's widely followed, and uh, we can pretty much take it from there. That's my very circuitous journey.
0: What a journey! Now you have spoken about an aha moment that you had uh, on this journey when you came across the book, The Lords of Finance. Can you share a little bit more about that aha moment?
2: Well, when I was uh, when I was still inside the Federal Reserve, somewhere around oh nine two thousand ten or so, uh, I, I was coming to the realization, the, the epiphany was upon me that wow, we had this crisis. I hoped I hoped we weren't going to be wasting it. Because clearly the Fed's inflation metrics had not picked up on all of the feeders, all of the drivers of inflation, especially asset price inflation. And it was around this time that I read this book, The Lords of Finance, which details a time when central bankers were rock stars. Of course, there was no social media and Twitter back in 1913, 1914, but it was the advent of an era of great financial turmoil when the world's politicians were incapable of addressing the geopolitical tensions uh, that were starting to break out in the world, obviously, that led to World War II and all the debts that followed it and led to World War II subsequent to that. And it was a time that central bankers rose to become more powerful than politicians to the detriment of the world. Uh they, they uh power tends to corrupt as uh as the cliche goes, and that certainly happened then. The degradation of buying power, I'm talking about the gold standard, occurred in that era and central bankers led the global economy off the rails. And the parallels between that era of omnipotent central bankers and what I was witnessing in the aftermath of the great financial crisis struck me to my core and I realized that even though as they say history does not always repeat itself it certainly rhymes well the rhyming sound in my noise I couldn't get to quiet down which ended up with me spending the greater part of two years writing a book
0: And that was called Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. And you shared that you witnessed firsthand how it worked or rather how it's not working. Um, Can you share a little bit some of the reasons why you feel strongly that the Federal Reserve is bad for America? And what were some of the things that you witnessed um, that how it is not working and serving the purpose that it's supposed to?
2: Well, I'm happy that you use the verb serving because it is an entity that is supposed to be serving the best interests of Americans and safeguarding their financial well-being by preserving the buying power of the U.S. dollar. Of course, we know that that's not what they've done. In fact, they've taken the American economy in a completely different direction, I would say, under Alan Greenspan and under his successors. And they have encouraged us to become a nation of borrowers, a nation of people with our hands out, whether you're talking about U.S. households, corporations, or Uncle Sam himself. Uh, Too low for too long, keeping interest rates at artificially low levels, encourages borrowing. For the past three iterations of this uh, movement on the part of central bankers, Every time that they that they stay lower, they stay lower for a little bit longer, and the damage exacted is greater and greater. Uh, we obviously have not seen what's to come with the current one, but I, I I do like the fact that as I'm about to write about in a few weeks, we are and we are in pro- approaching a time when uh, the the canadians of the world and the people who who they, they literally put our central bankers on a pedestal. I can tell that they're ready to say that this is the greater moderation because we're looking at potentially the longest U.S. expansion in post-war history. These are the things that keep me up at night because I don't buy it.
0: And it just shows you how powerful central banks have become, really, truly <laughs> ruling the world. Uh, and people tend to think that the, the uh, person sitting in the Oval Office in the United States is the most powerful man in the world. But it really seems what's playing out right now, uh, the data is still <laughs> similar and bad to, to what uh, President Obama had, um, yet they're starting to make some changes under uh, President Trump. What's your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I was one of the first people uh, to be uh, downtrodden and unhappy and hang dog a few weeks ago uh, when Bloomberg came out with a story that said that Janet Yellen had the greatest odds of becoming the next Fed chair. And, and that was certainly a reversal of all of the hopes that we'd had uh, when Trump was a- elected. And then something interesting happened, and and that is that word started to be released uh, that Quarles was going to be the first formal nomination, and that was followed the day of Janet Yellen's potentially last testimony. There's a smile on my face. You can't see it. Last testimony to Congress <laughs> on that very day, word was floated that it might be Gary Cohn and not Janet Yellen. Who will be the next leader of the Federal Reserve? So I was, um, I am hopefully optimistic that the word dissent is going to be allowed back onto the Federal Reserve Board. I think that that is a necessary first step to reestablishing independence at the Fed is the ability to raise your hand and say, you know what? That makes no sense to me. I disagree. I dissent among Federal Reserve Board. Members, Of course, district bank presidents have dissented over the years. We know that very well. But as far as dissent on the Federal Reserve Board, it's been a good long 21 years.
0: Yeah, let's stay on that topic for a second, because I don't think people understand that. And this might be insightful for my listeners that uh, you have spoken about dissent. So, you know, my understanding as a complete outsider, just kind of from what I read and, and what I see and what I kind of think and formulate for myself is that it is an echo chamber of academia and people just saying the same thing over to each other and repeating what the other one says and just nodding and a bunch of yes people, I would say. Um, is that kind of the, the environment? There's, it doesn't seem that there's a lot of conversations and debate and different ideas are shared.
2: Oh, well, there's, there's plenty of hot air filled uh, but you're right that they mostly come out on the same side of the argument, and that's the problem. In 1996, for a, an, an eyedropper full of history, in 1996, uh, Federal Open Market Committee uh, transcripts began to be uh, collected. And lo and behold, 1996 is when dissent started its slow death. Uh, all of a sudden, they realized that, gee, every single word is going on the records, not just the minutes that we released that are manipulated and massaged. Uh, and so we saw the death of dissent, especially among those permanent voters who are housed out of the Washington, D.C. Federal Reserve Board. It's interesting to note one of the few dissents that, that's occurred. I was exaggerating when I said zero dissents. There have been exactly two dissents among Federal Reserve Board members in the past 21 years, the last of which was cast by uh, Edward Gramlich, who was a good friend Of Alan Greenspan's and raised the issue in the mid-2000s that the subprime situation at the time could morph into a disaster that would bleed into the macroeconomy. Alan Greenspan told him to take his opinion and put it somewhere else, which prompted Gramlich to my, you know, he's literally my hero at the Fed, along with Jeremy Stein. But it prompted Gramlich to cast a dissenting vote, uh, because he disagreed with where the Fed was going and felt that the subprime situation might come back to haunt policymakers. He, he passed away before the worst came and went, but, uh, Greenspan's come as close as he could possibly come given his ego, uh, to saying that maybe he should have heeded Ed Gramlich's warnings on the potential for the subprime crisis to to damage the the economy and the average working man
0: you're listening to danielle DiMartino booth on the cashflow ninja podcast we will be right back after a word from our sponsor are you having a hard time finding great investment properties unfortunately the best deals are rarely found locally successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets norada real estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the u.s Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. You're listening to Danielle DiMartino Booth on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. And now back to our interview. Let's bring it back to the average uh, working man and woman out there. You, you, you know, interest rates are at historical lows, and where they are right now, and it's it's truly destroyed the the savings of the average working man and woman, um, and uh, dis- discouraged that behavior moving forward. Because really. If you look at the debt situation and personal debt uh, that that everyone's in, from student loans to uh, just personal loans and credit card debt and so forth, auto loans, um, it discouraged that saving behavior and habits that the, that they have. Um, can you speak to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, and that again is the, the the grave sin of central bankers of our time is that we have a generation. That doesn't understand and appreciate the beauty of compounding interest. It's not as if I can take my four children down to the local Bank of America branch where they all four have savings accounts and show them the virtues of them setting aside their proceeds from the lemonade stand because their $100 has grown to be $105 over the past year. That's a myth. It's right, it's right up there with unicorns, but it's also discouraged Savings. And by the same count, it's encouraged massive amounts of borrowing. And what you're ending up with, and and what rightly backed a lot of the anger that put Donald Trump into office, is that you're ending up with people feeling that they're in the equivalent of indentured servitude in their own homes. Even though they go to work every day and work hard, they can't get ahead because they can't save for the future and they can't pay for the present.
0: Yeah, it's truly modern-day slavery. If you look at it, of how through the system that that we're living in, this debt-based system has truly enslaved the average working man and woman.
2: It is, and it's 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 truly a shame. It it it, it is. It is it is what prevents um, parents from pursuing a better education for their children. Uh, to add insult to injury, you've got Uncle Sam borrowing at, at with a one point eight percent. Uh, rate, which has allowed Congress to do all kinds of things, none of which has propelled the country forward. But every time you widen that social safety net one inch further, you're going to capture somebody who's not going to end up working for the rest of their life, which creates economic atrophy in very large form.
0: And we definitely see that uh, not just only in the United States, but globally. Um, I just wanted to pick your your brain too, just on what you're seeing right now in the global marketplace, the economy, global markets, and then uh, share a couple of comments just on this uh, developing uh, pension crisis in the United States that's uh, starting to rear its head.
2: Well, and and they're, they're related, aren't they? Um, They're very closely related. The financial markets, what's intriguing to me right now is that you have a lot of veterans of the financial markets. You have a lot of people who have been active players in the markets for 30, 40 years, whose memories can take them back beyond 1982 and the advent of the greatest bond bull market of all time. And, 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 and people who are, begun to push back against the conventional wisdom, against what we're told uh, by the vanguards of the world, that as long as you put your money into the market and let it sit long-term, that you're going to be fine. You have people who used to be of that opinion beginning to push back and say, I'm 50, 60% in cash because I can't recognize for the life of me any price discovery mechanisms in the financial markets that are functioning right now. We are in very, very precarious times, regardless of the asset class, when you consider how overvalued bonds are, how overvalued commercial real estate is, how in debt non-financial corporate, uh, corporate corporations are, and that also extends to dollar-denominated emerging market debt which retail investors have embraced in the search for this yield we are in unprecedented territory stocks are more overvalued than at any time since 1999 or 2000 and yet we're told to keep our seatbelts on and to be good disciplined long-term investors nothing than this conventional wisdom scares me more there was a report out a few days ago that showed that CalPERS, the California um, teachers and uh, the California public employees retirement system, that it had returned tremendous amounts on its pension in the past year, um, 19.7%. Well, that's probably because they're in passive index funds, fully exposed to the S&P 500 and really risky private equity. These things can reverse on a dime, and that is against the backdrop of deep underfunding. I hope that people don't take any solace in where markets are today, being near record highs, and boy, you've got to be in it to win it. All of these things are will lead us on a road to ruin if you consider fundamental valuations.
0: Yeah, and the pensions, uh, it looks from just the, the reports that have come out, uh, t- uh statewide is just severely, severely underfunded. And even at this market high, uh, that you, uh, that you just, uh, spoke about, they're still so <laughs> severely underfunded. So a sharp correction or just things coming back to levels that are a little bit more sustainable. I mean, that's going to hurt, um, hurt these pension funds a lot and really uh, might start unraveling what could become a massive, massive pension crisis?
2: Uh, Normality would be a calamity. In fact, I have to write that down. But normality would be a calamity if we're talking about normalized interest rates, if we're talking about historic valuations on the stock market, if we're talking about uh, anything even remotely resembling reasonable valuations on real estate. Remember pension funds are in more invested in alternative investments than they've ever been. These carry very high fees. They're very risky and they're illiquid. So it is normality would be a calamity.
0: What advice can you give to the average uh, person listening to this conversation that ha- uh, have their money in qualified retirement plans? Um, you know, capital preservation is obviously a, a top priority in times like this. Um, but wh- what advice can you share with uh, with my listeners?
2: Well, my advice is the advice that most people simply don't want to hear, especially given where we are demographically, and that's that. It, it, it is the old cliche that you would rather have a return of your capital than a return on your capital. There are so few places to hide. Uh, if if it's any comfort at all, I have my 71-year-old retired mother's uh, money invested in Ginny May funds because it has the explicit guarantee of, of the U.S. government, and it allows you to at least keep pace with inflation. I think that there are some very safe areas to be in municipal bonds as well. The entire municipal bond market is not going to blow up. That's impossible just because Illinois and and New Jersey and Connecticut and several other states carry tremendous headline risk. There's still some safety to be had in municipal bonds, but wherever you are, when it comes to trying to look for cash alternatives, you'll note, I don't have money in any risky assets. But wherever you are, when it comes to looking to cash alternatives, make sure that your maturity is very short. Don't go out the duration curve. That's very, very, very dangerous at this juncture.
0: The one habit I've observed from very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning?
2: Well, after being out on my own for several years, I have become a Bloomberg View columnist, which means that I technically have a boss. Uh, so um, so it, it's interesting. You should always have somebody check your work. And I don't say check in the literal sense, but I'm saying have somebody give you a gut check of your work. It's always good to get feedback. I'm learning that. And I'm going to reteach myself the Bloomberg Terminal and reintroduce myself to new and different forms of data and take myself back 20 years to when I was a student uh, and, and, and get some of those rusty gears in my brain going again. And I'm looking forward to that opening up new areas that I can explore in the written word that I produce on a weekly basis.
0: And I'm definitely looking forward to your work uh, at the Bloomberg View. Uh, now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
2: Well, the first would be, and I'm going to cheat here, uh, go back to the Bible and understand the beauty of tithing. There are lots of good messages to be had in the idea of tithing. And the second is to give back. Sometimes people are surprised that I return the mail or what have you. There is always rewards, rich rewards, in giving back with the expectation of not receiving anything in return. And the final is literacy. One of the most rewarding aspects of my life to date is reading with my children. Literacy, especially financial literacy, begins with Dr. Seuss. One book at a time. If you teach the future generation to embrace reading and to be literate, then they can grow up and be financially literate as well.
0: Fantastic. Daniel, how can my uh, listeners learn more about you, your work, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with?
2: Well, I'm proud to say that the Audible version of Up has done exceedingly well. I think that's because I recorded it myself. Uh, but do read Up, whether you read it in, in, in hardback form or you listen to me. And go to uh, www.dmartinobooth.com. Go to my Money Strong website, uh, have a look at the archives. See what some of my written work is about. I would love for you to subscribe and follow me on Twitter. It's never boring at Demartino Booth.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure.
0: This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank thank you for joining my guest daniel de booth and myself on the cashflow ninja today if you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the cashflow ninja please subscribe rate and review our show on itunes and share our show with family friends and your network I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gashku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com or text CashflowNinja to 44222. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month, and when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and that awesome Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. Geld Inc. is a multifamily owner which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Banking on the renter revolution amongst millennials and baby boomers, all-time low home ownership rates, and a major shortage of well-located apartments at affordable price points, Gelt has provided its investors with consistent cash-on-cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. For more information on how to achieve sustainable yield for the long term, you can email Josh at josh at geltinc.com. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrending activity of ATM use. If you're an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class, that very few investors will ever have access to, sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They have designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing, to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799- Two two four seven. If you want to create an income stream of eight percent on your cash or money in your self-directed IRA within ninety days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches that comes along with it, you have to watch the private lending presentation at CashflowNinja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning in the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your
1: terms.